Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From ThatCast Creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, welcome back to the PDX Executive Podcast. I've been on quite a hiatus. I don't know, six, five, six months since my last episode. And you know, here we are, far, fall 2023. And I said, I gotta have the trusty, best guest, Mike Rogaway, the business reporter from the Oregonian to kick this back off. And I think Mike, this is your, I don't know, fifth or sixth, seventh time we've talked. I, I was gonna say, it, it's gotta be at least the fourth. Yeah. So I'm really, uh, you know, thank, you know, thank you for, for joining again and helping kick off the podcast. Cause it's, um, it's again, like I said, been on a little hiatus and I think the best place to start, which we always talk about is just a little, you know, update economically what's going on. Well, it's, it's interesting because by, by so many metrics, uh, our economy is strong. Our poverty rate is low, about as low as it's ever been. I'm writing this weekend about the poverty gap between white and other economic groups or other demographic groups. And it's about as small as it's ever been. It's only a few percentage points difference. You know, we're, we're a less unequal state than we have been in the past. Uh, but, you know, and unemployment at a record low inflation has come down and yet yeah, you know, when John Horvick and the folks at DHM Research do their polling, the economy is at the top of everyone's list for things that they think are wrong. And they all think the state's headed in the wrong direction. And I, I think what we're looking at is, you know, we inflation's under control broadly, but I think people are still very unhappy about housing costs. And there's a lot of concern about housing stability. Homelessness is one way that's manifested. But I think people are, are just concerned, you know, interest rates are high because the Fed is fighting inflation. The cost of buying a home is very high and the cost of renting remains high, even though rents haven't gone up the way they have. So there's just a great deal of unease about the economy. And when interest rates are high, it's hard for businesses to make investments. There are, we can talk about it. There are some of those coming, but it's an uneasy time for sure people, even if in many ways, the numbers look good and the vast majority of people have jobs and workforce participation is, is rising. Uh, and it's still an employer employees market. It's still the workers market. Employers are still struggling to find people, but I, I think people just feel uneasy. You know, it's, I've been thinking a lot about that a lot personally, and just, you know, anecdotally talking to friends is like, you know, we have low, low unemployment, but there is this general unease and I do, you know, even folks like probably you and me where we have 
been in our homes for a while and things, and that's limiting in itself, right? So um, as far as like when you're out there talking to businesses or even business owners, you know, you mentioned it's still quote unquote like an employee market, but what are some of the things they're saying about even remote work? I mean, I, I have all my thoughts on that. Well, well, we we had the evolution around around remote work. I mean, that that's a great example of the employee power. Many employers, from large ones like Nike and Intel to small offices, would like employees back in the office, but they don't have any leverage on that front. Employees enjoy the flexibility that comes from working a hybrid or remote schedule, and it's very hard to tell employees you have to come back when they say. Oh, yeah? Well, Joe down the street says I can work remotely, and I think I'll do that then. And and you're also now competing with employers across the country and around the world. So if you think having people in person is important, and your employees don't, they have lots of other options available to them. So that trend hasn't, hasn't really changed. Uh, I would say that most of the businesses I talk to are feeling relatively good about the economy, and very bad about Portland. Uh, there's a great deal of concern about the state of the city. It's everything from taxation, uh, which has has gone up significantly for certain kinds of businesses and, and some very wealthy people, and uh, just the general condition and vibe of the city. Now, I think what we're having are, are maybe, you know, to put them in context, you know, problems that are common in other cities and have been for many years. We sort of went through a Goldilocks period, I think, when this was a place people wanted to be, it was a place people were migrating into, uh, and it was expensive, the costs were rising, but they weren't nearly as high as other West Coast cities. And we didn't have some of the problems that other urban areas did, particularly around, you know, homicides. We had a very low homicide rate. None of those things are true right now. It's expensive. Um, you know, it's, it's more violent. It's still not, you know, it's still not, you know, our poverty level is relatively low in Portland compared to other cities and our homicide rate isn't off the charts high compared to some other cities, although it's much higher than San Francisco or Seattle, for example. Um, but people feel, we talked about people feeling uneasy about the economy. I think they're feeling uneasy about the quality of life. We're not seeing an exodus. Home prices are holding up fine. Um, but, you know, as, as folks have noted, the latest census data shows that more people are leaving the state than coming in. Uh, Josh Lehner and Mark McMullen, the, the state economists, are, are concerned about that over the long run because our birth rate is lower than our death rate. We're, you know, we have no natural population growth, as it's described. We're, in, we're the oldest state west of the Mississippi. And so we need people to move in uh, to, to replenish our workforce. And folks aren't coming. <laughs> that the, that they actually are coming at a pretty high rate, but they're leaving at a slightly faster rate. And so it, it, it's, it's not an immediate problem, but it's a long-run problem. Uh, that said, you know, I'm sitting here looking out at Mount Hood uh, across the, and looking across the Willamette, it's still a gorgeous place, it's still a, a wonderful place, uh, to be. And, and that's a, a built in a durable advantage that isn't going anywhere, but economically we're, we're not as attractive as we were. And that is a, a challenge both in attracting companies and in attracting workers.
Yeah, and I, I think we talked about this before, what Portland has a lot going for it always from that standpoint is the 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 city core is it's it's very central yeah right yeah i i think that's such an important point if you look at you know seattle it's it's hemmed in against elliott bay or san francisco it's you've got a bay it's you know it's it's literally out on a peninsula by itself uh it hemmed in on one side by the bay and and the other side by the pacific ocean many other cities are sort of in the same way but you know we're surrounded you know beaverton hillsborough gresham troutdale uh, Salem, Vancouver, we're right, downtown Portland is right in the middle and all the major transportation networks flow right adjacent to downtown. So it's, it has a lot of natural pull and it is still is, as I say, I'm downtown right now looking out on a really spectacular vista. This is a, a great place to be if we can get our act together. Well, what I'm seeing and you're seeing too, is a lot of, you know, prominent or, you know, business leaders are organizing things himself. So you saw like, you know, there's a big effort by uh, Ryan Buchanan who uh, founded Thesis to bring business downtown, do a cleanup. Um, the- uh, Wyden and Kennedy has its its campaign to yeah. make Portland better. And and then Jason Bolt, the entrepreneur, you know, did the uh, big, uh, from the central, or I guess, inner east side with a concert just to, and so I think, I'm encouraged by that. I mean, folks are just, they're not giving up, you know, especially business leaders and, and, and rallying community. No. And, and in terms of our, our economic base, there are some really strong indicators on that. Now, maybe this is a good transition into that. You know, the, the semiconductor industry, people have been anticipating this big infusion of capital, uh, and the state passed incentives last year the total package was worth 500 million, but it's, it's something around 250 million in direct subsidies. On top of that, you have $52 billion in federal subsidies for the industry. Well, the state says, um, that based on applications for the state money, people have, you know, plans for, for $40 billion in investment, uh, and something around 6,000 new, you know, full-time long-term jobs coming. Plus a thousand more construction and, and, you know, at least a few thousand more in suppliers and, and, you know, contractors and things like that, uh, coming in just the next several years. And that's a major infusion for the region. If it materializes, we'll see. Uh, but the state says their visibility into that is pretty clear that these are plans that are going to happen. Uh, and you know, semiconductors are Oregon's industry. They are. They are what's distinctive about our economy compared to other regions. That's a major plus. And I think we can see that the demand, the long-term demand for computer chips isn't going anywhere. The industry is, is notoriously cyclical and some cycles are truly awful, but the industry's foundation appears very strong and the pandemic underscored that with the shortage of all classes of chips from high performance microprocessors to to the kind of helper chips that, that companies like OnSemi, uh, analog devices and microchip make in or those are in, in big demand that all those companies are expanding even before the chips act, uh, they're hiring everyone they can get. So many parts of our economic foundation are strong and that, you know, the, the infusion and semiconductor will be very interesting. Intel says, you know, that they have a, a multi-billion dollar project 
on the drawing board for Oregon. Uh, the state has earmarked, I think it's 120, 115 million, 125 million, uh, to contribute toward that. Uh, Intel's hoping for, for a lot more from the feds, but based on what they've submitted to state regulators and Intel's been cagey about exactly what they have planned, but there's a, a big upgrade in their old facility in Aloha and a fourth phase to their D1X research factory in Hillsboro. That, those are, are you know, major upgrades on their way uh, for our foundational industry. Yeah. And I, and I would say that's something that can't be, you know, overstated enough. I mean, it's for someone like you, who's been tracking this for how long, Mike, <laughs> like, I mean, how many years? So it's like, well, this is you know, my 20th year at the Oregonian. Yeah. And I know you, the coverage of, of this industry and Intel is, is, uh, you've done great coverage on over years. So that's, that's interesting and great to hear. And I did want to you ask know, it, about, oh, go ahead, Mike. Oh yeah. Well, I, I was going to say, I mean, Intel is, is a bit of a trough right now in terms of its economic performance. Uh, and there is some, some reason for concern. You know, they, we've talked about this in the past. They've been beaten by TSMC on the, the most advanced manufacturing technology there. And Intel is, is readily admits this. They are way behind on the artificial intelligence market uh, that Jensen Huang, you know, from Aloha High School started NVIDIA and Several years ago, he personally committed the company to AI chips, and they are way ahead of that market. I don't think I knew the mar the knew the the detail that he's from here. He is from here. He went to Oregon State and Aloha High School. Uh, he's, he's very much an Oregonian, although he doesn't live here now. But you know, he just gave a bunch of money last year uh, for a new supercomputer lab at Oregon State. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so. Uh, Intel is, is way behind on that market and that will be hard to, to catch up on. Uh, and their, their manufacturing technology is lagging, although they're spending a lot to, to catch up on that. So they are at a disadvantage in many ways. I'm less pessimistic about their outlook than some people are. Uh, some people do think they look old and tired. I, I just think the fundamentals of the market are so strong that. I don't know that whether or not you're thinking about Intel as an investment is one question, mm -hmm. but if you're thinking of them as an economic opportunity for your region, I, I think the, there's reason to be optimistic on that front. I think that's a good distinction because I mean, in the financial news, we obviously it's a lot about, <laughs> you know, from the investor uh, point of view, but when we work and live here, I mean, there's, like you said, a lot of encouraging things. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 I won't take a position and haven't really thought through one way or another whether Intel would be a good investment. But <laughs> as an economic opportunity, I, I think I think there's reason for optimism in our region about their their prospects in this area. Well, what about, I know you write about data centers sometimes. What's going on there? I know there's always some kind of controversy or some kind of going on with the data centers. Yeah, the data center market has been so interesting. So... Oregon is a very attractive place, data centers, just naturally for the same reason it's attractive to people. You know, it's the climate is mild, electricity is readily available and relatively inexpensive. Water is relatively available compared to some other parts of the, the country. And those are all things data centers need. We have something that 
other places don't have, and that's tax breaks. We have no sales tax in Oregon, so we're extremely attractive if you're spending a billion dollars to outfit your, your data center. And that's how much people spend or more on a single data center, sometimes much more than that uh, to outfit it with servers. We don't pay any sales tax on that. Then we also will excuse you on property taxes too. So, you know, those, those tax breaks are, are worth a ton to these companies, you know, literally tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. So, you know, they come to Oregon and the issues we've had, uh, are in resources essentially, uh, in the Dow's Google is a main consumer of their water and they're building two more data centers there. We may have discussed in a past podcast, Google fought very hard to keep that information from becoming public. They even sued us or financed a lawsuit on behalf of the Dells uh, to prevent us from getting access to the information. They ultimately gave up, um, paid the legal fees for the city and for us. Uh, an organization called Reporters Committee for the Free Press provided our legal services and that. They got fully reimbursed and we were able to learn just how much water they had used and how quickly their water use is growing. They have two more data centers coming there. And then out in Morrill County, there's been this issue with public officials there who were on the board of a nonprofit. They spun a business within that nonprofit off to themselves. Uh, that, that business provides fiber optic service to Amazon. They provided Amazon with tax breaks and sold land to the company. So they direct, they benefited directly from that. The Oregon Ethics Commission is investigating them after our reporting. The Attorney General is investigating how they got a hold of this fiber optic business. Uh, one of the officials has resigned. Uh, another one lost re-election uh, this past spring, I believe, or maybe early summer. So, you know, these tax breaks have created kind of outsized incentives for, uh, for some people and some companies. At the same time in Hillsborough, you know, the, the commercial real estate companies say Hillsborough and Oregon offer some of the best tax breaks in the world. Only Hong Kong is a better tax environment than Oregon. So they're charging into Hillsborough and, and soon to be maybe North Plains, and possibly Forest Grove, building data centers, gobbling up all the industrial land, capitalizing on those tax breaks. And so when Oregon says, oh, we really, really need, you know, more industrial land. We need more, more semiconductor fabs. Well, we don't have the industrial land because data centers are sitting there. So Elon Musk's company gets tax breaks worth millions of dollars a year can, uh, on prime industrial land used to be farmland. And what do they have? Seven employees? Uh, what what, like what part of their business is out there? I guess I didn't know. That. Uh, so that's uh, their data center. The, they used to have mm. a few, but Elon keeps cutting back on mm. on his spending so he closed up the one in sacramento and moved the servers up here and you know it's no better deal than here Jeez. Uh, yeah so mm -hmm. and we're mm. happy to to forgive him the taxes uh and he's happy to take our industrial land so so uh there have been some moves toward reform on this on this subject but for right now we're squeezed on industrial land and and shedding farmland because of the data centers. And is some of those, um, 
I guess, as a state trying to get them to get more employees per data center? Is that, was that one of the, well, like you said, there's that, that, that three ha- to five that hasn't people come or, up there. there okay. This last session there, there were, you know, a couple major reforms and the other one would have reigned in the tax breaks. And there was some modest effort in that direction that the folks do have to now negotiate with the local school district, but the rules are so broad. It's not clear what effect that will have. The other was to make the data centers comply with Oregon's clean energy laws. Uh, the ones in the rural parts of the state are generally exempt from that because they're powered by local utility, cooperative utilities rather than investor-owned utilities. And uh, Amazon spent heavily and lobbied heavily and was successful in defeating that effort, but it may be back up in the next session. Well, we can jump into startups. I know we don't have to talk about too much specific companies, but maybe just a general <laughs> uh, fund, funding environment. Uh, what's going on here? You know, anytime, you know, capital gets tight, uh, it gets hard on, mm. on entrepreneurs looking for funding and things haven't been great on Wall Street and interest rates are high. So, you know, it's, it's a more difficult funding environment. So since, since really 2021, which was a, a banner year, uh, it has, you know, capital flowing into Oregon has been very limited. Um, but you know, startups have never been a huge part of our economy with the notable exception of Tektronix and Nike, uh, that hasn't really been our thing as a state. Uh, and that was many decades ago and it, it sure isn't still, you know, the last crop of startups, Vacasa, uh, was the most prominent of that, you know, it's vacation rental management services. Uh, they went public, they, they raised uh, a lot of money and they went public last year. Well, their stock has just plunged and their business case has not proven out. Uh, there hasn't been a, a big wave of companies behind them. And the, the center of the, co- the startup community in Portland for a decade or more has been, been Rick Tarosi and the Portland incubator experiment. And Rick more or less shut down Pi uh, this past summer. It'll still operate, but probably some new incarnation. It's moving away from its tech focus. And the community is just just splintered and there hasn't been a great deal of success emerging from the companies that came out of it. There have been some like cloudability that, uh, that had its roots at Pi and, and did very well and had a, a successful exit, but it, the entrepreneurial environment has proven difficult and perhaps for reasons we all know, you know, there, we don't have the experience pool of executives who've been through it. We don't have the research universities here. Uh, we don't have a lot of local capital available and we're a high tax environment. So if your goal is to become fabulously wealthy, you know, you'd be more likely to go to a state without an income tax, like the one due directly to our North, uh, Washington. <laughs> that said, um, Washington does now have a, a capital gains tax and it has survived court challenges. So it, the threshold before you're eligible for that tax is rather high. If you're thinking you're in the, you know, Steve Ballmer, Jeff Bezos mm-hmm. stratosphere eventually, well, that might be a disincentive, <laughs> right. but all the re- all the things that have held back, you know, Oregon startups for years, 
don't appear to have changed. Uh, and we're not, we're not having a lot of success on that front. The other thing I think that's happened is for a long time we had, uh, I think we benefited from remote work. We were a top remote working state, and this was a place where people would come because we were relatively inexpensive. Well, we're not that much less expensive than other markets now, and we don't seem to have some of the advantages other places do. So I'm not sure we're getting that remote work drawn. Companies that are, that are nominally started here, many of their employees live elsewhere, and, and often many of their executives do. So... Um, I'm not sure that's a uniquely Portland problem. I think startups in general may be getting more geographically dispersed, more geographically diffuse, but, uh, you know, in a city that, that doesn't have a robust startup culture, uh, that that's working against us. And I, I should distinguish between startups and entrepreneurship. We have a robust entrepreneurship mm -hmm. culture and we always have people starting small businesses, starting breweries, starting, you know. Artist collectives, right. people starting, you know, knife or saw businesses. These are things that aren't necessarily going to get huge, but contribute to the character of the region. I would say that hasn't particularly changed, that we still have that robust, robust culture here. I think that's good to note, actually. Um, and then, you know, the point about pie, I need to have Rick back on. We love Rick and see what's going on. He's oh, he's so thoughtful and so well-spoken and, and the, the best heart in the city. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I'd be, yeah, he, he obviously does a lot of thinking about this. And I, you know, I, I think what he would say, I shouldn't speak for him, is that there's shifting direction there that's perhaps more toward the, the region's entrepreneurial culture instead of the startup culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't yeah. want to speak for him. Yeah. Well, you know, I always lo love to talk about my former home where you're still at and what's going on in journalism. <laughs> you know, what is uh, it, it? You know, last time we talked, I think you kind of shared that the uh, shifting the business model a little bit uh, has been beneficial for uh for for the folks yeah. there. But I'm interested about an update. I, I think, you know, at the Oregon, at the Oregonian, the organization is, is very strong right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like our hiring has been strong lately. And, and what you say about shifting the business model, we have, we have some digital subscriptions now, and that part of the business is stable and strong and it's strong enough that it, it has sort of put a floor under the business. It feels to me, I don't want to jinx anything, <laughs> but we're a little less vulnerable to downturns in the ad markets or the really the, the online ad market was not nearly as lucrative as our corporate parent hoped it would be when they switched, began shifting the business's direction a, a decade ago. And the result was, a, you know, a, the organization shrank considerably. I, I, as we've discussed in the past, we're in more solid footing right now. Our recent hires have been, been really good. You know, most recently Matt Kish, who folks in this market will know for as many years covering Nike and Adidas in the Portland Business Journal. Then he went to Insider for a few years, and now he's with us. Uh, you know, it's sort of an example, I think, of, yeah. of you know, what we're doing right now. We're hiring very talented people and, and people who are, are known in this market. And what about, I mean, the, the younger uh, journalists? 
I mean, is there still that passion there? Still good pipeline or? Yeah. Oh, yes, I, I think so. Uh, you know, I, I would say that, I mean, there's a lot of enthusiasm for, for journalism out there. I think there was perhaps a period of time that I don't, I don't know. I wasn't there with, you know, in, in, in J schools, uh, mm -hmm. 10 years ago, but I would think people would have been more cautious. I think what you have now are people who are really, really interested profession and, and really dedicated to it. Uh, and I think there's, there's some stability in the market now. And so I, I would just say that I think the people who've stuck with it are tend to be pretty talented. Mm -hmm. And so the, the new hires here who are, are young and, and elsewhere in the market, elsewhere in Portland, uh, new younger reporters. Uh, at other organizations too, tend to be really strong uh, reporters. And I think probably are dedicated to doing this and seeing it mm -hmm. through. And I, I think I'm optimistic that the economics will give them the opportunity to do that, to have a whole career in this industry. That's great to hear. Well, Mike, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and thanks for, you know, providing an update and where can folks find you? Are you still, are you still on the Twitter slash X or you give that up or what's going on with I, that? I am on Twitter. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't tweet nearly as often because I can't tell if anyone else is on there. It used to be, you know, are there real people up on there? Yeah. I did get a lot of feedback right away. And that was sort of a useful way to connect with readers. It, it doesn't feel like that anymore. It's, it tends Maybe people are looking at it. I don't know. I'm certainly not getting the feedback. And that's what I want uh, mm -hmm. is to hear back from people. What's your reaction? What more do we need to know? Uh, mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not seeing that now. And so Twitter is far less useful. I am on there, you know, as, as at Rogaway. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm at OregonLive.com. All the, all the same places. And uh, last thing before we go, because... Uh, we probably, we talked about maybe when it was starting to happen, you know, the Oregonian has started a lot of great podcasts and do you still kind of make the rounds with your colleagues on the ones yes. you have? And yes, uh, beat check is the one I'm on most often mm -hmm. and we have rotating hosts on that now. Great. Um, so that's, I'm, I'm on that periodically, probably once a quarter. Might okay. Be about right. Yeah. We'll have people check that out. Well, Mike, uh, thanks so much. Yeah. Great to see you. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.